You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another full week of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, you get 20% off of your next order. And today we are going to talk about the Vikings 37-35 win over the Detroit Lions in Ford Field. They end up 7-9 on the season, 4-2 in the division and it was a meaningless game right so this is not one of those things where they they we we talk about you know the ins and outs of what they did over Detroit and the strategy and all of that stuff but there are some interesting takeaways yet about you know players that got a little bit more run in this game because the Vikings kind of treated it a little bit preseasony where they kind of rotated some cornerbacks and some players on defense and uh we we I think learned a thing or two about a few individual players and it'll kind of help inform the decisions the Vikings make in the future. So we'll talk about all of that. Of course, Justin Jefferson broke a big record. We'll talk about that. Uh, but first, I just want to let you all know, this is a full week of Locked On Vikings, full weeks of Locked On Vikings for the foreseeable future. Uh, the, the show goes on through the offseason daily, uh, every single day, your your beloved Vikings every single day. So we are going to start talking about offseason decisions. Who do they resign? Who do they let go? We'll postmortem the season a little bit. We'll talk about free agency. We'll talk about the salary cap, and that should all take us up to the start of the new league year where free agency happens. We can cover that. And then, of course, transition into draft mode. But here's something that's going to be really fun. We are going to, every Monday, starting today, do Mock Draft Mondays. There's going to be a Mock Draft every single Monday. Uh, I'll go over later in the show how I'm going to approach that. But yeah, you can look forward to a Mock Draft every single Monday from here until the actual NFL Draft. We're going to do a whole bunch of them, so buckle up. And then after free agency, of course, come draft season proper, we'll start doing a prospect a day thing that we did. And then after the draft, we'll transition into kind of previewing 2021, talking about the players, do the story time thing we did last year. We'll talk about all that. That's way off in the future. Don't worry about it quite yet. But I wanted to get that out of the way and make sure everybody knows that this is not just an in-season show. This is a year-round rain, snow, or shine Vikings podcast. But let's talk about the actual game. Again, there's not a lot to take out of a game that was pretty meaningless. However, the Vikings did win 37 to 35. This means the Vikings close out the season at 7 and 9, tying the worst record they've had under Mike Zimmer, of course, his rookie season when they went or his his first year as a head coach when they went 7 and 9, and that means that they will pick 14th in the NFL draft. And winning this meaningless game, even though you'd say, well, what would they have picked, you know, if they didn't win this stupid meaningless game? What if they lost and, you know, improve their draft position, they would have been 13th. So it's not, there's not a lot of octane on whether or not they won or lost this game. And the Vikings played mostly for the sake of pride and a little bit for some self-scouting and as kind of an educational experience uh, for some of the younger players. They actually started Harrison Hand, who got some tread on the, on his tires. They got like players like Dylan Mabin and Cordria Tankersley in there to get a look at them and seemed to use this game as kind of an excuse to get a look at people for 2021. And kind of, eh, if they win, they win if they lose, they lose, and they ended up winning on the back of a stellar Kirk Cousins performance, and of course, on the back of Justin Jefferson 
breaking the rookie receiving record. He came into the game needing a reasonable game to beat Randy Moss's franchise rookie record, Randy Moss's year of uh, just over 1,300 yards. And uh, Anquan Bolden had beaten Moss's rookie year by some odd 40, 50 yards, something like that. And uh, Justin Jefferson ends up having a 130-yard day and crossing both milestones. He ends up with a cool exact 1,400 yards on the season, the most ever by a rookie wide receiver and a very, very good season in its own right makes the Pro Bowl. And I think that's the thing that everybody wanted to see out of this game. If there's one outcome to root for, it was whether or not Justin Jefferson would break the rookie record. And he needed like 110 to break that record. The game was pretty chaotic and honestly a pretty entertaining game just from an exhibition standpoint. It was high scoring, you know, 35 to 37, really big game there. Dalvin Cook, of course, missed the game due to a personal family issue. That means Alexander Madison kind of got a chance to test his medal, show a thing or two, and kind of prove that the Vikings should maybe use him a little bit more. Now that Dalvin Cook has signed his big deal, Alexander Madison probably plays out his rookie deal and is kind of just going to be in a big giant audition for uh, for whatever his next role will be. Probably won't want to be a backup for his whole career. So, uh, you know, games like this are kind of an important part of his highlight, really. Goes 21 carries for 95 yards and ultimately looks like a pretty reasonable running back. Gets a couple of explosive plays. Of course, he gets uh, some pretty big plays receiving, including a big, long 28-yard touchdown. And ultimately, like on a personal level for Alexander Madison, a pretty important day. I would also mention that the tight ends had a pretty good game with Kyle Rudolph out still nursing that foot injury. He's on IR now. Uh, of course, you know, he wasn't going to come in and play in this one. Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith end up combining for five catches for 70 yards between the two of them. That's a pretty good showing and gives you kind of a sense of life past Kyle Rudolph if it if they decide to make, take that option. There's three years left on Kyle Rudolph's contract and getting rid of it isn't perfectly cap efficient or anything like that, but it is an option the Vikings could be considering, and this gives you a sense of kind of what you would be looking forward to. I would say the receiving's a little better than the blocking, and the, the Vikings might choose to keep Kyle Rudolph because they like his blocking better than Tyler Conklin's, um, but that's all, you know, some decision-making we can address at a later date. All in all, the Vikings offense had a very good day and, you know, the kind of saving the best for last here, maybe except maybe Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins had a phenomenal day. 405 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, takes a few sacks, has a couple of like chaotic moments. He did throw an interception that the Vikings or that the line on a screen or I think it was on uh, on a on a like leak route on a rollout. He threw one directly to the Lions uh, that they didn't th- uh catch and it probably was six if they did catch it uh but you know that play here or there but otherwise Kirk Cousins played a pretty clean game for 95 percent of it and produced really well threw really accurately maybe had his best game I, I believe from an EPA perspective it was his most productive game of the season so who knows but it was a good game from Kirk Cousins I'd be uh you'd be hard pressed to say that this was a bad one although you could probably cherry pick a couple of plays and make that argument in like total bad faith if you really wanted to. Now, betonline.ag opened the game at like minus two. I think that line moved to uh, Vikings minus three, which they ended up not covering. But if you got in at minus two, you at least maybe 
got a push there. Maybe you bet on the Lions to cover, which would have worked out. But now the playoff picture is clear, and there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust to get your grambling done, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. You can use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. So if you're betting this year and you want more wins than you got maybe with the Vikings, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get podcasts. So as good as the offense was in the game against the Lions, the defense was just probably equally as bad, which makes sense because it was 37 to 35. It was a really close game. Uh, it was, I guess, a lot of rotating, and I think the Vikings were a lot more interested in kind of looking at defensive players, kind of looking, like, the defense is in kind of a crossroads with, like, just about every player. Who do you keep? Who do you get rid of? Who who leaves and who stays and all that stuff? It, what do you do with Anthony Harris? What do you do with Eric Wilson, right? What do you do with all of these players? And then there's a lot of guys, like, you know, the Chris Joneses and the, uh, the Dylan Mabin, Cordria Tankersley types of the world where you just have to decide, are you bringing that guy back for camp? You don't really have to decide if they'll be on the 53 until you see him in camp. And it's not like they'll be expensive, but are you even going to bother? You know, let's put them in for a quarter and see what they can do. Um, and so there's a lot more of those decisions to make on the offense. There's not a lot of decisions to make right now. You got to figure out what to do on the offensive line, but you're not replacing Dalvin cook. You're not probably not going to make too much noise at the wide receiver position, though. I would like them to kind of improve their depth rotation a little bit. It's going to be the Jefferson and Thielen show kind of no matter who, right? And even at the tight end position, they might not move at all. And really the answer is, can we get a, get along without uh, Kyle Rudolph, which I think the answer to is yes, but maybe you got a sense for this and maybe that's debatable, right? And that's again, a conversation we can have later. But on defense, there's a lot more information to gather. And I think the Vikings kind of approached this game in an information gathering way. To me, it looked like, and I reserve the right to go back on this when I look at tape and kind of really see, but it looked like they put like Dylan Mabin and Cordrea Tankersley and Harrison Hand and, and Jeff Gladney and all these guys out on the field a little bit more and say, all right, you're one-on-one -on -one with Marvin Jones, you know, can you keep up? Here's your audition for us. Go keep up with Marvin Jones and show us that we should bring you back in 2021. And I, I think that's a, a lot of the trouble that the Vikings had. It's like, yeah, this is this doesn't teach you anything about the Vikings when Dylan Mabin gives up a big long touchdown to, to Marvin Jones or whatever. Now, Anthony Harris had a pretty rough day. And that is something we should probably talk about. Here's what I think is happening to Anthony Harris, at least in the run. He did get manned up with, uh, I think it was Marvin Jones once in the past and just kind of got like dusted one on one with him. And that's not a very good look. What I think is happening with Anthony Harris in the run, and it looks really, really bad, maybe doesn't reflect as poorly on him. But OK, so when you're the free safety and most of the time in a run play, the free safety is not responsible for a gap, right? That would be really difficult to ask somebody to line up 25 yards and say, OK, and also, by the way, cover the B gap. If he gets up the B gap, that's your job. Like that, you probably can't do that, right? So what a free safety usually is doing is they're they're reading the running back, they're watching the running back, and they say, okay, 
if he gets to the second level, I'm going to go rally and kind of be part of that tackle and go make the play, right? So you have to choose your angle. And there's kind of this this uh, moment where you have to choose, are you going to go directly at where the running back is, or are you going to go at where the running back would be if he ran, you know, three more steps and you take three more steps and you meet him there? And the, the decision is, do I think they're going to slow him up in the gap? You know, is somebody going to be in the gap and be able to slow him up? But the Vikings have had so many plays where, you know, Eric Wilson is in the gap or Troy Dye is in the gap and is ready to make the play. And they just like ugly whiff on the tackle and they don't even slow the guy down. Harris has to make that decision before you know if the guy made the tackle or not. So you just kind of have to either trust in your teammates or not trust in your teammates or, you know, play it a little more conservatively. I think Harris is just sort of making a decision and going for it. And I don't think that's the right decision to make with the way that the other, uh, Vikings defenders are are playing. So I think this is a, a, a tendency thing. And it's something that I think would work a lot better with, you know, Kendricks and Barr in the lineup versus, you know, Wilson and Troy Dye and Todd Davis. Um, but you get a lot of these ugly whiffs on the tackle and it kind of cascades, right? If, if Todd Davis whiffs on the tackle and it's really bad and you don't even slow DeAndre Swift down, well, now your safety thought you were going to at least get a piece of him. And he, you know, he was just going to come in to help clean up the tackle rather than have to, you know, chase the guy down. And suddenly you're coming way too far downhill because Todd Davis missed the tackle. And, you know, now he's coming way faster than you were expecting him to come. So you're coming too far downhill and you miss that angle. And then suddenly it looks like Anthony Harris took an absolutely horrible angle. Now, I don't think that explains all of them. I think there are some times where he just either took a bad angle or got, you know, got beat one on one and stuff. And I think he's played his way kind of out of Minnesota. I think that's the unfortunate truth here is, you know, the the Vikings seemed really excited to have uh, Anthony Harris in on the franchise tag and they played him here and it was going to be kind of an audition year. And I think the way these last two or three games have gone for Harris, I think he's played his way out of Minnesota. And that sucks because it creates a need right now. You, the question isn't, okay, what do we get for Anthony Harris? And you know, what's the cost of him going to be? The question is, okay, who do they go get? And then what the, what is the cost of that? It is now more complicated with many more opportunities to mess this up. And I don't like that idea. I would much rather have a world where you can keep Anthony Harris and, and you know, figure out an extension with him and see what you can do there. Of course, you know, Cap's a big problem here as well. But right now, Anthony Harris just doesn't seem like the guy you want starting period, let alone, you know, starting for whatever the price tag is or whatever. He's just not going to be the guy. So it, it maybe the Vikings try to extend him. I kind of don't think they will. Maybe somebody else goes and pays him. I hope that happens for him. That would be pretty awesome. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think safety is just going to be a need. They just need a starting safety, just like they need a third linebacker and they need a starting guard. Elsewhere in the secondary, and a lot more positively, I thought Jeff Gladdy might have had the best game of his season. Of course, great that it comes in the meaningless game, but I think he did a really, really good job. He was very sticky in this slot. He got, I think, a pass breakup or, or two. Uh, I think he only gave up like one catch, and he was just he just played very well and, and some interesting tackles as well. Um, that's really encouraging, right? That's kind of what you want to see out of a game like this. Yeah, it doesn't matter if the Vikings win or lose. We just want to see the rookies play well. Well, Justin Jefferson broke a record. Jeff Gladney had a good game. What more can you ask for, right? And, you know, all in all, I mean, again, a lot of that is subject to, we'll, we'll go wrap around and talk about it on Wednesday again. But I, a lot of it is wrapped up in, hey, the Vikings won, and you know what? I'm happy about it. I don't care that it... This took them from 13th to 14th in the draft. And I know that there's like a value equivalent in picks to that. I think if you give up like a fifth round pick or something, you could theoretically move up from 13 to 14. I don't know that the Bucks literally did uh, trade down from 13 to 14 with San Francisco. So whatever that is, that's the price. That's what the Vikings cost themselves by winning this game. But you know what? I don't really care. I, I think 
for one, draft order, I think, is very overrated, and moving around in the draft has a cost, but staying pat in the draft doesn't necessarily carry that. This is a weird economic concept that I I guess I'll have to talk about uh, at, at a later date. But suffice it to say, whether they're at 13 or 14, they're going to have an opportunity to draft a player that is very, very good for their franchise, right? And it won't be, you know, the most elite talent in the draft, right? They're not getting Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. That was always a pipe dream. But they're going to have a chance. They probably will have a chance to get a quarterback. They probably will look at the board with a quarterback on it, and they're probably going to draft somebody else. And then we'll be able to evaluate that decision that they made. I don't think, uh, you know, drafting in 25th or whatever they did last year, I don't think that like sinks your draft, right? That does not doom you to have a worse draft. I don't even think it lowers your likelihood of having a good draft very much. If the Vikings evaluate properly, it will not matter that they won this game. And I think that there's, I don't know, there's some value to it. If you just look at the discourse around like the Eagles right now, where they pulled a quarterback and everybody thinks they're tanking and all the players are mad, especially Giants players. And it looks kind of like there was some unrest on that Philly sideline and stuff. I'm glad that you kind of went out and said, let's go get a damn win. You know, this is a young team. They, I I don't think they're particularly emotionally resilient. I don't think there's a lot of leadership in that locker room. And that produces a team that is, I think, susceptible to the ebbs and flows of a season. And to kind of come out in a lost season and just show that fight and go beat a division rival in their house. I think there's something valuable to that, even though it's really, really hard to quantify. Um, And in case anybody asks, there hasn't really been much report one way or another on like the future of Mike Zimmer or anything like that. But I would be pretty stunned if we woke up on uh, Black Monday and while you're all listening to this, you know, Mike Zimmer is fired. I'd be pretty shocked. You can all tweet at me and yell at me if I'm wrong, but that would that would that would knock me out pretty hard. But it's the offseason. So let's talk about an offseason topic, which is the draft. We're going to do a mock draft Monday coming right up. But first, I want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar ever. And the sponsor of today's episode, it's Built Bar. Built Bar comes in 18 amazing flavors, not and non-nut flavors if you have an allergy, but they stuff like banana bread, peanut butter, German chocolate, peanut butter brownie covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, but they're healthy. They're great for the health conscious guy that's trying to lose or maintain weight. And you can indulge in something like uh, German chocolate or a caramel brownie or cookies and cream and not feel like you totally fell off the wagon. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're even keto friendly. So if you want to get in on this and get Built Bar for yourself, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On. You get 20% off of your next order. That's promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so make sure you guys don't miss Mock Draft Mondays. Every single Monday, we're going to do this in a second here, uh, but every single Monday we are going to come in here and we are going to do a Mock Draft. And in the uh, draft season part of the the off season, you know, from kind of the endish of March all the way through actual draft weekend, uh, it'll be the whole show will be dedicated to a mock draft. But for now, we're just going to like do a quick one and talk about a player. This is going to be a way for us to get to know prospects and a way for us to kind of start to familiarize ourselves with the NFL draft, who the Vikings should take at 14 or wherever they end up picking if they trade. So this is going to be every Monday right here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. So let us begin. First, let me tell you kind of how I plan on doing this. Usually the way I do mock drafts is if I do a series of mock drafts like this will be, uh, I can't take the same player that I took in a previous week. So basically all the way up until free agency, I'm going to do one round mock drafts. Might even expand it to more rounds later if I feel comfortable doing so. But for now, we're going to do one round mock drafts. And once I've taken one player,
player, I cannot take that player in another mock draft. So you get to this thing where you've done six or seven of these and all the good options are there on the board, but you've already taken them and you have to start getting creative. And it gives you an excuse to kind of branch out and learn about more new prospects, which is the real point of this, not to generate the best simulation of what the Vikings should do. Also, we're not messing with draft trades just yet. Let's just look at some prospects first. So here we are. We're going to begin picking at 14. And so right off the bat, what I'm noticing about the board here is at least according to I'm using the Draft Network Simulator and their predictive board and on their board right now, the top players are very diverse in terms of their position. You have a linebacker, a couple edge rushers, a couple offensive linemen. You go for a cornerback. Uh, Trey Lance is on the board if you're into that. So you could go kind of any direction you want, which I think is really cool. It, it Kind of what it tells me is that being at 14 is not going to preclude the Vikings from drafting a player at the position that they want. Maybe there's a specific one, you know, Devonta Smith already went if you wanted a wide receiver. Devonta Smith is gone. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell are off the, off the board. Uh, you know, all the quarterback, a bunch of quarterbacks are off the board. Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, but you still have Trey Lance if you wanted him. Um, but, you know, if you wanted a quarterback, you would have to be okay with Trey Lance. And I know some people aren't as big on him. So let's kind of look at some of the players that we have available to us. The top player available on their board is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. He's the uh, linebacker out of Notre Dame, kind of a tweener linebacker safety type. Uh, so it wouldn't help you with your like big run defense problem at all. It'd kind of be that J-Ron curse role that the Vikings are sort of looking for. But they already have a nickel. I don't know. You could maybe do that, move him to safety or something, or kind of play him around, use him as a chess piece. I know Zimmer could figure that out, and you'd see the scheme adapt. Uh, I'm not too interested in that right now. You have uh, Gregory Rousseau. He's the edge rusher out of Miami. I really like his fit with the Vikings, just with the way that I'm kind of reading about him, just very cursory. Again, I'm not too familiar with all these guys, but we're introducing ourselves, right? And the first uh, impression I'm getting from Gregory Rousseau is that he is a pretty good fit. He's kind of a traits guy. He he has a lot of production. Uh, Miami moved him around the line a little bit. They could move him to the interior, do that thing they did with Everson Griffin against the Saints in 2019. Um, it's nice to have that ability and, you know, kind of put him where you want him on the, the defensive line. And the thing is that he's not particularly polished, and I love giving a guy like that to Andre Patterson, um, who's who's producing already, and then some polish could really unlock him. The Vikings are in a perfect place to take advantage of that. There's also son of Joe Horn, J.C. Horn, uh, South Carolina cornerback. It seems like he might be the nice tall, fizzy, six foot one, two oh five. Um, and he's got a nice, like, stocky frame that he can use to kind of uh, reroute guys. This is what you can do against the, the, the Julio Jones-type receivers that you will see that are going to be kind of big and, uh, you know, be able to, like, bully off of routes and stuff, like, get against the A.J. Browns. The Vikings kind of don't have that in their cornerback room right now. They're a bunch of, like, five foot ten guys or, like, kind of lanky Cameron Danslers. So a big, like, physical corner I think would be a pretty good fit. And I know Mike Zimmer is partial to that kind of corner as well. Like, that tends to be his favorite. And I think the Vikings could use that kind of guy. Um, in terms of the uh, interior offensive linemen, because I think everybody should want to know about guards, there's a couple on here that the Vikings could be interested in there is a uh, a center out of Oklahoma with a wrestling background, and he's like heady. That's like very big for the Vikings. That checks a bunch of their weird boxes. There's Wyatt Davis, who again a bunch of people have kind of talked about. Um, he could just like slot right in at right guard and be in instantly a kind of scheme independent starter. And I think that's an interesting idea. And like he's scheme diverse, but like best in a wide zone, unlike somebody who is like scheme diverse, but probably best in power. Um, and he could play zone, but he's best in power. This guy seems like a really, really good fit to be your first round guy. The only problem is you have to justify taking a guard in the first round, going interior offensive line for the second time in three years. Uh, the, the value of that is fairly negative. You have 
have to kind of figure out a way to justify that. But I think you could probably make that case by looking at, you know, okay, well, can he pass protect, right? I guess that's the really big thing is can he pass protect? But I'm not going to go into your offensive line in this particular one. I, I think I'm feeling um, I'm feeling the corner or the edge rusher. And I guess let me know what you guys think. If you have it down to Gregory Rousseau or JC Horn at me at Luke Brown NFL, we'll see. Maybe I'll even do a, a poll from the at Locked on Vikings account on Twitter to see what you guys think I should do here. Uh, Gregory Rousseau or JC Horn <sighs> going corner. It's basically like they go corner or guard like every draft, right? That's like what is, what's happening here. Um, and I think it probably would depend for me on the rest of the class, which I'm just not familiar enough with to like make that choice yet. Uh, but it's good to get ourselves a, a, a little bit more familiar. I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher out of Miami. Give me a defensive lineman that can move around the line that can be really, really disruptive right away. Um, and I think what, what really tears it for me is that he's raw, but he can produce despite being raw. And then when you figure stuff out, then you unlock like this new level. So you can trade him or you can trade, you can play him uh, week one. You don't have to wait for him to be ready. Kind of like Justin Jefferson, right? Justin Jefferson wasn't quite ready week one, but you could still get him in the game, right? He still took a few, he took like half the snaps. He caught a few passes. He wasn't quite ready. He didn't have the calls down quite yet, but he still like got a little bit of action. And then once he did get ready, then it unlocked and it became this big, you know, rookie uh, sensation season. And I think maybe it, it looks like you could maybe get the same thing edge rusher with Gregory Rousseau, where you can put him in, you can ro rotate him a little bit, kind of get him started in the first uh, few games. And then once he gets the calls down and he gets the blitzes down and he gets his assignments down and all that stuff, and he gets like ready and he's young, he's a red shirt sophomore, uh, you know, get a few more pass rushing moves in under his belt, then you can really, really get something. So I'm going to go draft Gregory Rousseau out, uh, edge rusher out of Miami. So that's the person I'm going to take. I can't take him uh, in any more mock drafts until I'll probably reset this after free agency and we'll start doing like seven round mocks and stuff. But for now, I can't take Gregory Rousseau in any more mock drafts. And uh, I don't know, I, I like that pick. I think I would feel pretty good about kind of replacing Ifadio Denebo. And then you'd have uh, Rousseau and Daniil Hunter. You'd have this great edge rusher tandem. It helps the secondary like Zimmer has talked about a whole bunch. I'd be game for it. So we're going to do that every single Monday here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. Tomorrow is going to be Twitter Tuesday. So um, I, I'm going to do another kind of themed Twitter Tuesday like I did uh, last week. I think that turned out really interesting. I'm going to do some of these uh, while we have kind of major burning topics. And right now, the Vikings season is a failure, right? Seven and nine. It wasn't good enough. They didn't make the playoffs. That is a big old X failure. So I want you to send me at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked On Vikings. And I'll put a prompt out for this as well. Send me the one single reason you think is most uh, liable for the Vikings failure. It can be a player. It can be like a strategic thing, like they run too much or even more specific if you want. They run too much on second and short. Um, but it has to be one thing. Send me a list of things. I won't read your tweet. <laughs> so send me the one reason player or strategy or or luck or otherwise, uh, the one reason the Vikings did not make the playoffs in 2020. And uh, we'll see what you guys come up with at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. And then maybe we'll cover a little bit of the Black Monday stuff, because sometimes that has an effect on uh, on the Vikings in terms of like, oh, you know, is somebody going to look for Andre Patterson as their, you know, do their defensive minded head coach or something like that? So we'll we'll take a look. We'll see what happens there. But in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Joe is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with Twitter Tuesday. And as always, skull.